Good morning. It is Wednesday here, and it is April 13th on a beautiful morning here in the Rogue Valley. This is Peter John, grateful for this next hour we get to share together. We call it Rogue Grace. I want to talk to you today about adoption. I love how there were uh, there was a debate between a couple of young youngsters, young guys, two young boys. The debate, that's a nice word. That's nicely put. They were going at it pretty much with insults or what they could do and finally one says to the other, "Well, what do you know anyways? You're adopted." You see, the parents had adopted the one son and the other was born biologically. And so he pulls out that card. What do you know anyways? You're adopted. And the other kid, the one that he said that to, said, well, all that means is that mom and dad picked me. They're stuck with you. I want to talk about adoption I have four daughters. Two of them were born to us, the older ones. Two of them we adopted from Liberia in Africa, on the west coast of Africa. Their parents had given them up in a kind of United Nations disaster involving not only Liberia, but the nations that were surrounding it at the time. And so by the time we were able to get me and my dad to Liberia to to adopt those twin girls that are now ours, they were in very bad shape. They weren't going to make it. But now they're beautiful young ladies at Jacksonville Elementary. And I'm not saying that the road is perfect, that life is easy for them. I don't know the challenges either that they are facing or will face. All I can do is love them. But when it comes to adoption, the fact is that not only are you and I sons of God, children of God. But the New Testament, as you know, makes it very clear we are, at that, adopted sons and daughters of God. And I like what that little kid said to his brother. They chose me. They picked me. They're stuck with you. There's only one begotten son of God Jesus the Christ, God himself as well. But now you and I, we are children of God, chosen, adopted by God. So he's not stuck with us. (laughs) He picked us. He chose us in the deliberate decision of adoption. There's no oops. 
you know? No stork involved. No accident in the heat of the moment because the necessary precautions were not taken when it comes to adoption. It is a court sanction through which the now parents take full responsibility in the decision they have made to bring that boy or that girl into their family. That is the adoption that we have been given. Now, not only that adoption that we know of, that I am a part of in my family, but let's consider the process of adoption in the Roman Empire in that first century. Because, you see, when adoption was taking place, as Paul writes these things that I'm about to read from Galatians, adoption was not an act of charity. No such thing yet. Adoption was merely a business decision. A wealthy family was looking for someone to manage their estate. A COO. And if that family had no son to run their estate once they had passed away, or they had a son or two, but they deemed them incompetent, they would adopt one from another family, and that other family would gladly or willingly give that son to this family in adoption. So often, for example, Caesars were adopted as children even though they came from an intact family. Senators in Rome as well. The word adoption in the New Testament is huios thesia. It's the status of a son. It is given a position, an error. Jesus speaks of something interesting in Matthew chapter 19. Something he referred to as paleogenesia in the Greek. That is how he describes adoption. It speaks of God choosing you for an eternal plan and a destiny. Destiny. So God is not stuck with you. God chose you. God picked you. Let's talk about that. We'll read from Galatians chapter 4 when we get back from this song. Father, you sing. 
told his disciples that night that they experienced their Passover, what we call the Lord's Supper together, he said to them, I will not leave you orphans. Remember that? They're in that upper room. And what's interesting is, you may know this, but that word orphans literally can be translated for us, it would be, it would be translated um, unadopted as orphans would be, or um, someone who has not been adopted. Jesus is saying, I will not leave you at that. Beautiful. So let's consider this, that you are adopted today by God if you believe in his son Jesus Christ but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons Galatians 4 
verse 5. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You might be thinking, I'm not a son, I'm a gal. Well, I could easily say, I'm not a bride, I'm a dude. These are beautiful metaphors that are being used when we're talking about no longer being a slave, but a son. Or, I'm a bride of Christ. So you get the idea there, right? So, the difference between the adoption that Paul knew that the first century experienced and ours when he writes this is that our adoption is not based on merit. And that's why I'm glad the scripture not only uses adoption, but also says you must be born again. So we are adopted on one hand. On the other hand, when a baby is born, the baby makes no effort of its own. It's actually often born, from what I understand, against its will. So both being born and being adopted fully explains our status as children of God. And now, as you put that together, God grants you status as an honored son, an honored daughter, even though you did nothing to deserve it. God is not stuck with you, as it were. He's not out to get you. He's not looking to separate from you. He has adopted you. I remember adopting my daughters in Liberia some years ago now. As I told you, me and my dad went initially for the first week or two, and then my wife came and he left. But my wife, Amanda, staying with our two kids here in the United States for those weeks, sent with me and my pops a very helpful component, and that would be a baby Bjorn. You know those, right? Those things where you carry the kid on your chest because you put that baby Bjorn on. You can carry the little baby around, and it worked out great. Let me tell you why. Because neither my dad nor I knew that the baby Bjorn was to be worn in the front. We both thought they were backpacks. So when they gave us those two babies, which we weren't anticipating, we thought we were there to do paperwork. They handed us the two babies. So now we have these two babies. Okay. Well, we looked in the suitcase. There are those baby Bjorns. Oh, we got a couple backpacks. So we walked around town day after day with those backpacks, took pictures, sent them over to my wife, his wife, my mom. And then they sent us back. That's not how you're supposed to wear those. We didn't know, but it worked out great. Me and my dad were there choosing those two girls. 
Not that we didn't want to choose the other, but we were there for a mission, for a reason. My wife and I had chosen those two girls ahead of time. And you have been chosen by the Lord. Why did we choose those two daughters? They were malnourished. I mean, let's face it. They didn't have the same skin color as me or my wife on a different continent. But we chose them. We loved them. I loved them as much as I love my two redheaded daughters, the froze and the reds. I love them all. And why did God choose me or you? Not because we deserve or value or are valued because of what we earned. Like my beautiful daughters who were basically dying, bless their hearts. So too, we were weak, not just physically. I mean, weak in our sin while we were still sinners, not while we became saints. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God adopted us. And I got to adopt, we've been able to adopt those two beautiful girls. Lula yesterday went on a hike with my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Smith in Jacksonville. He's legendary now. That was my fifth grade teacher. Now she goes on a hike with him around Jacksonville. And she's got a sister who's in the same grade in Mrs. Schubert's class. And the thing about those two girls in adoption is they didn't choose to be siblings. But they have so much, not just in common, it's, it's so much deeper than that. See, they're adopted and there's this link between them. And when it comes to us, you and me, as Christians... We can't choose our siblings, right? Like our friends, we, you, you're stuck with them, so to speak. But there's a shared, mm, let's call it a trauma even, of growing up together. <laughs> and so too, you're my brother. You're my sister. We didn't choose that. You didn't choose that. I didn't choose that. We were chosen by God for that. And that is what we have in common. As you listen to me now, whether you are 14 or 41, I was able to spend some time with my grandparents last evening. They're 95. Whatever your age may be, we are brothers and we are sisters in the Lord.
Eliminated an enemy by making him a son. You know what story I'm talking about. That dude, that youngster named Mephibosheth. He was the son of King Saul. The predecessor, the king before David. He might have seemed to have been a threat or an enemy of David because of his patronage, because he was the son of Saul who had tried to kill David. And so David hears that he is still alive, this son of Jonathan, grandson of Saul, more exacting. And brings him over to his palace, to his house. And Mephibosheth has no idea why. 
And David says, you are going to live here and eat with me and my family day after day. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet because he had been dropped. He was living out in Loday Bar, this seemingly skanky kind of town. He couldn't believe it. He said, why would you treat a dead dog such as I with such kindness? And David didn't even respond. He just set up young Mephibosheth to be his son. You look at what David does there, brilliant. Not only is he honoring his former friend, Jonathan, who is now dead, but by making Mephibosheth in his house, causing him to live there and eat there, David had eliminated an enemy by making him a son. And you were the enemy of God. So was I. And thank God, he did not eliminate us by destroying us, dooming us, or damning us. He eliminated us as his enemies by adopting us. We are now his children. He is now our father.
I like that song, not so much that version, but that's just me. Hey, for unto us a child was born and a son was given. For unto us a child was born. So he was born, what, 2,000 years ago, right? But the son was given. He's always been before his birth, after his birth, and forevermore. The son was given because he always existed. This baby born to us was not just a baby, but along with that, one that always was and always will be. Where was this baby born in a manger of stone? literally translated a feeding trough. It's that place in the rural areas in Bethlehem where sheep would graze on dried grass and dried hay. And you can even see stone mangers in Israel today going, in fact, all the way back to Solomon's stables in Megiddo. And that was the kind of stone manger that Jesus was born in in Bethlehem. Because as you very well know, there was no room for Jesus in the house, which I think is, I don't even know the full story behind that. Because this is Joseph's hometown. This is where Mary's family was. And there's no place for them to stay. Is it because she was having a baby and they were not yet married when she was impregnated? I don't know. But Joseph didn't pull out his genealogy. 
he stayed in a manger for Mary to give birth to the Lamb of God. Now, in this manger, as you may know, Jesus was born in that trough, right? Now, those troughs were interesting. It was the place of eating, of course, for the sheep. And I think that Jesus was being declared not only as the Lamb of God, but also for you and I, the bread of life. That our strength to become more like Jesus is simply eating of his body, taking in of him, feeding on him. Too often, if you're like me, we eat the wrong things. Not just the food, by the way, but along with that, we're eating politics, movies, all kinds of bread besides Jesus. But when you feed on him, you become stronger, healthier, holier, blessed. You become like the one you eat. Remember, don't we say that to our kids? Haven't we heard that from our parents? You are what you eat. Okay. Then eat of his body and drink of his blood. Consume his word. His word is bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And without even your trying, your striving, you become more like God, more like Jesus. How often have we heard it said? It's so true, though. It's not about you trying to be more like Jesus, just like Jesus. Just consume his body, his blood, enjoy his grace, and you will become more like him. So will I. I'm looking forward to seeing you here tonight at 7 o'clock as we gather in this place in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for tuning in today. And I will be, Lord willing, back on tomorrow morning for yet another edition of Rogue Grace. May the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace. Talk to you later.